0: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea.
2: Welcome to Moneymaking Making Conversation Masterclass. This is Rashawn McDonald. Thank you for that uh, great intro. As usual, every week we're here to talk about, you know, give you information, information about uh, what makes life better for you. Uh, as we sit around and as we get older, because we all get older. Whether you're young, you're gonna get older. If you if you're old, you're gonna get older, older. You know. But the bottom line is, what are you doing with your life today? And I, I sometimes I look at a recent uh, friend of mine who passed away, and it caused me to look at my life where am i at am i working too hard should i take vacation should i should i just stop what i'm doing and just start going to cancun on a regular basis or just just get in a car with my wife and just drive around the country death does that to you it causes you to pause it causes you to think about where you're going in life if it's the right path the path you should detour or should you pivot and um I was there. I've been pivoting all week. I've been like questioning myself, uh, not denying the success I've had in my life, but it's like, do you stop? Do you pump the brakes? And especially you always hear me. The age is not an excuse. Well, I'm not talking about age being an excuse. I'm talking about, am I living the life at this point that I want to continue? Because I'm controlling the wheel. I'm driving the car. But what time do we stop doing that? What time does the dream or the dreams that you have should take a detour? And that's where I'm at. We're going to talk about this over the next several weeks because I'm going to bring in different guests to just contemplate where we're at with our lives and making sure that taking time for yourself. That's what the conversation is all about. Learning how to take vacation. Not to be afraid to walk away from your dream, to rest, to relax, to enjoy the company of the people you love. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about giving it up. I'm talking about finding personal time for yourself. A lot of us don't understand that. A lot of us need to try to make that a part of our life so it can become and play a significant role. If you don't know who I am, I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. And I want to hear from you today like I want to hear from you every time you hear the show. Because I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is to inspire you to accomplish your goals and live your very best life. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. People always talk about their purpose or gifts. If you have a gift, leave with your gifts and don't let your friends, family or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. We were discussing how to overcome the odds in life. That's a phrase you hear every week because we're always up against the wall, up against the role of what we're supposed to do or what can we do. The odds. What side do you want to be on—the winning side or the side that just frustrates you and makes you wonder if there are any opportunities out there that you can achieve success? Well, my guests on the show today represent people who did not let fear of change stop them from pursuing their dreams. Separately, they are making a difference in the pastry industry and entertainment law profession. Our theme today is that there is no perfect time to start following your dreams. My my guest is an executive pastry chef, Padua. Player, also known as Sugar Chef. He is the youngest of seven children. He's been featured on We TV's Platinum Weddings, was a competitor on Food Network's Sweet Genius and Holiday Baking Championship. He won the twenty thirteen Capital Food Fights High Stakes Cake Baking, a cake battle in DC, hosted by my man out of Baltimore, Duff Goldman. Following that success, he returned in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen as the celebrity chef. Judge, I'm telling you something. To be a judge, to go from a contestant to a judge, you got skills. Appeared on Cooking Channel's Cake Hunters in 2018. Television called on his sweet culinary skills once again as he appeared on Chopped Sweets on Food Network in 2020. Chef Player has appeared on many, many gourmet shows and has provided his sweet delicacies to countless celebrity clientele. Plus, he has a consulting service. Allow Sugar Chef to bring a cost-effective and fresh perspective to your business. Please welcome to Money-Making Conversation Masterclass, Masterclass, the one and only Sugar Chef. How you doing, my friend?
3: Hey, Chef Rashawn, how are
2: you? Well, good. I, well, did you put the word chef in front of me? <laughs> of course I did. Oh, I, I, I'll tell you i
3: videos on social media, so I know...
2: I know you can throw down in the kitchen. Come on. Oh, okay now. Okay now. now Sugar <laughs> chef. no. this is highly respected. You know, I just saw those credits I just read about you. This this is not about me but I I want to take that compliment because of the fact that you know, I'm just a everyday kind of like guy in the kitchen. I do the bunt cakes. I do the I can do all the sweet potato pie. I can do those down home southern dishes. But when you go to your website there is a 100% different converse, different conversation based on what I do and what you accomplish accomplishing. I want to talk about that journey to your dreams and where it all started. Now, you, you, you're the youngest of seven children. Did the baking start at home, or was it something developed away from home?
3: You know, it's funny, uh, Chef Vashon. When you gave me that introduction, I was like, who is he talking about? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> talk See, about you, you. After a while, it turns into work that you're happy. You know, it turns into work that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, starting out as, you know, being the youngest of seven kids, you know, I, I was always mom's sous chef in the kitchen. So I was snapping green beans. I was helping her to make her dinner rolls. She always made dinner rolls every holiday season. Right. I was helping her to make her sweet potato pie. i sous chef. So of course I naturally gravitated to being in the kitchen. You I mean the kitchen for most, for a lot of black households uh, or, or, Households in general are, is like the heart of the home, so mm-hmm. I gravitated, you know, toward the kitchen, and, and and that's where I woke up my passion, so to speak.
2: Now, you know, you you now, like I said, the, the website is what is it? Is SugarChef dot S u g a yeah. chef c h e f dot com. And when you go there, yes, like I said, uh, you know, I'm well known for. Just, just my cooking, I cook fast, but you cook with detail. I couldn't say, I apologize, bake with detail. And where did that gift come from?
3: Um. Well, you know, I just being the youngest of seven, I always knew that I was creatively driven. Right. You know, early on in my career, when I was in high school, I thought for some reason I knew I was great with my hands. I just didn't know to, you know, at doing what. I thought at one point my sister's a doctor, a retired doctor and, and um um RN. So I thought at one point I was gonna go back to school and be a dermatologist. And then my sister's like, Pod, you know, they have to go to school for many, many years and I was like, Uh oh, I don't think that's for me.
2: <laughs> right. And right.
3: then one time I thought I was gonna be a carpenter and then once I started doing that, that didn't excite me. Mm-hmm. Then um one time I was in downtown D C with my mother. Um she was handling some business downtown and I wanted into a restaurant that had like paper on the windows and things like that. And I had to help Barnes sign. And I was always an industrious little kid. I always loved to have money in my pocket, so I wanted to the restaurant and it turns out to be uh one of the best restaurants in b c with a highly respected chef and got a job washing dishes and you know when you're not when you're not washing dishes in the restaurant, they have you peeling, slicing, and dicing right and then before you know it, I started doing prep work and then after that, you know I would always bring in things for the pastry chef to try like you know, back then I couldn't make a biscuit to save my life, but I would always bring in, like, you know, banana bread mixes and things like that. And she was like, you know what, Pod? Why don't you just come in and help me on weekends? And so, you know, there, there that's when it started professionally. Well,
2: you know, it's interesting because I remember my first job, you know, I was... Because
3: she showed me how to use a scale.
2: Right, right, right. And so yeah. that that those little things right there, like you said, you couldn't make a biscuit to save your life back then. Now what in your mind because because I, this is a super compliment to you and anybody I see in competition cuz you 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 made me feel good cuz you said chef Rashawn, okay made me feel good but to go on tv and and to cook spontaneously like that that's a gift that's a talent why do you ever get unnerved at those requests or those competition shows what um, what separates you from a person like me and i say that and i'm not saying i'm a bad person i'm just saying you got a special skill that's a michael jordan and that's another guy you know what i'm saying so uh, another ball player you are special what what what's that separating ingredients that's making you who you are sugar chef um i don't know if
3: i'm any different than you i just think that sometimes um you know life and our life takes us in different directions and for me i've always been passionate about pastry i've always been passionate about learning more challenging myself um you know trying to elevate my skills to the next level um studying you know i'm always reading cookbooks i'm always watching videos i'm always taking classes to increase my skills So i don't think there's much of a difference between me and anyone else it's just that um, you know, when you push yourself to, to go to the next level and when you just like, like, you, you just gotta push yourself. I think that's the only difference. You know, sometimes, uh, everyone has their own gift or, you know, things that, that they're really super talented at or, or passionate about. Mine just happens to be pastry. Some people great at music, but. Right. You know, mine happens to
2: be. Safe. But 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 along the way, Sugar Chef, when did you realize? You know, like you know, you're good in the kitchen. You are good in the, in the restaurant. When did you start realizing that? And I just want everybody to hear that. That's listening to this show because there's a lot of people out there who are talented. Who sometimes, like you, are very humble in your skill. But you know you're very t- gifted because guess what? They're not just putting people on shows, and you're not just winning contests because they like you. It's because you're beating competition based on other highly skilled people who want to win and want this honor of being named champion. When did you start? When did t- when you start noticing people you were separating yourself from other people who are around you? Um,
3: I think. Um, I think when I, not necessarily okay. For for someone like me, I just think when I get repeated customers, like I have some clients that, um, you know, I I may do their wedding cake and then next year right. I'm doing their first baby's cake and next day I'm doing a second. So when people, when just like everyday folks or when people repeatedly call me, and I's like, it's like we're best friends because I kind of follow them on their journey. It's like I have some clients that. You know, like I said, I made the wedding cake and I made the children's first birthday cake and so on and so forth. So when I follow, when when certain clients, I follow them throughout their life, I'm just like, okay, I think I'm doing the right, I think I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But also, I'll say, as Oprah says, an aha moment for me was many years ago, I was just doing a, um, just doing a delivery for a particular client. I mean, I'm, it was a, a, a congressperson and, um, Next thing I know, I got a letter in the mail. And I'm like, who is this? I thought I was being drafted. I mean, I don't date myself. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm being drafted. And then the letter was from, back then, it was Vice President Biden. I was just like, I kind of dropped to my knees. I thanked the Lord, and tears came to my eyes. Because I'm like, and I called my mom, I'm like, Mom, I'm like, I got a letter from Vice President Biden thanking me for my dessert. And um, so I've had many moments like that that really kind of solidifies them. I'm on the right path. Um, in my life that um, I'm taking this journey, not taking this journey alone. I have a lot of people to thank, a lot of people whose shoulders I'm standing on, like people like you, who I admire and I respect and that push me to the next level. So um, I think that when you have moments that, you know, just you're following people throughout their life, and let's just say it may be something as simple, like you said, a, a pound cake or bread pudding or cupcakes or whatever, when people take you along in their life, I think that's when that's when I realize that, okay, I'm doing the right thing. Or I get a phone call from someone that I've, you know, maybe someone that I've always admired or, you know, sometimes, you know, just you're connected with people and someone picks up the phone and say, hey, can you do this for me? So I think that's when you start, your phone starts ringing. That's when you're like, okay, that's when I realize that I'm on the right path. Absolutely.
2: You know, it's really interesting that when you hear you talking, because um, uh, as a person who does bake, I do take myself. I, you know, I, I go out in public, and actually, I'll be honest with you. I'm people recognize me more for my baking than anything I've ever done in Hollywood, or with Stephen A. Smith, or Steve Harvey, or Kevin Hart, or it doesn't. Uh, uh, the, the, any movie or TV show I've been on, or produced, and it's something about baking. The smiles we it, it, it can uh-huh. impact a child to a, uh, an elderly person. When t- tell us right. about that ability to um, charm people with your with your pastries.
3: <laughs> well, personally, I think the most challenging thing is it's actually for me. It's two things. It might be something cultural, like if someone comes from another country and it's like they ask me, "Can you do this?" So I will research a recipe for whatever it is. Or if it's something that, you know, my grandmother used to make, you know, sweet potato pie. Can you make, like, make it like my grandmother? I'm like, no, I can do the best that I can do. But I in no way, shape or form can bake like your grandmother or bake like the people in your country. And the reason why I say that is because, um, you know, sometimes the ingredients are different. Sometimes the hands are different. But I think baking like someone's mom or grandmother or their loved ones, I think to me that's like the ultimate compliment. So if someone says to me, Oh my God! You know when I tasted your dessert, it tasted just like you know my grandmother made right. it. And to me, that's a, that's the, the highest form of compliment. Uh, you know, the highest form of to me simply because you know that those hands are blessed. <laughs>
2: I know, Grandma, I, yeah.
3: Granddad whoever mm-hmm. put so much love into their stuff. So. I
2: mean that's like the highest compliment that I can receive. You know, I, I've been about there, I've been there, Sugar Chef, and I and all I can say is thank you because all I've done, all I'm doing is being me, and all you doing is being yourself when you are being able to right. sit down in that in that kitchen and being able to. I would tell people about baking. Baking is is something you can't watch TV and you better not be playing music because if you make a mistake, you can't fix a cake once you messed it up you know you can you can nope, fix a steak you can fix some soup put some extra salt some extra <laughs> pepper. put some food in there you can fix things you cook but you make a mistake when you bake it's done we'll be right back we'll talk about this but also i want to talk about your um your consulting service because this is money making conversation master class we want to get into the business side of the baking world we'll be right back with sugar shelf world champion sugar shelf We'll be right back
0: with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushon McDonald.
1: You are now tuned into the Money-Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald.
2: Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald from Money-Making Conversations Masterclass with your daily Minute of Inspiration. This week, I sat down with the host of the History Channel series, Adam's Eat the 80s food author and culinary entrepreneur, Adam Richmond. He talks about the importance of getting familiar with success, but also getting familiar with the steps necessary to get there
1: uh bill maher once said we live in a guitar hero culture where everybody
2: wants to play the solo but nobody wants to learn the chords yes and i think that uh these are people that spent time in the trenches and you don't realize how much sweat equity you know people hear about the success but they don't really pay attention to what it took to to get there and
3: um i think that that's that's the coolest part.
2: If you want to listen to this full interview with Adam Richmond, it's available on MartyMakingConversation.com. As we get into the second part of this interview, uh, you have your own line of uh, gourmet desserts. Uh, you have sweet delicacies that countless celebrity clientele have uh, dined on. Uh, how can we get in touch with you, Sugar Chef?
3: Um, the best way is through my v- website or social media, I'm everywhere. Uh, website is www. sugarchef.com, um, sugar com. com on Instagram. I'm SugarChef. Scgacgf. Facebook. I'm SugarChef Desserts. TikTok. What is it? SugarChef Dessert <laughs> Twitter. I'm, <@s-sugar> chef. <laughs> I'm my first name. But right. I'm everywhere.
2: Cool. So what's the goal here? You know, you you're out there. You're, you you. First of all, you know, when you get that first shot to get, be on TV, you know, you're always jazzed. Like you said, when you got the letter from that then-Vice President Biden complimenting you on your, your 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 food, your desserts, your your skills, you know. Because we, we don't know where people think of it. The smiles help. The fact that when you put something down, it doesn't stay that long. That helps. And the fact that people keep complimenting you on, that's on that's it. That's when you upload it on your social media, you get these likes or people follow you because of that. But what is the ultimate goal?
3: Well, the ultimate goal is to to fulfill people's life and make it sweeter, one dessert at a time. Right. Uh, essentially, I would love to do more TV, more consulting, mm-hmm. uh, more branding opportunities. Um, my ultimate goal—I'm just going to say this from your ears to your my, my mouth to God's ears—is I would love to be the, the Carla Hall of baking. I mean, it sounds kind of cliche, but I just love everything about Carla. She's always down to earth. She's grounded. And I love the fact, in terms of my eyes and what I see, and I met her quite a few times, and what I see on social media is that she cooks, she does TV, she does this, she does that. And I would just love to kind of navigate my career on that path.
2: Well, Carla Hall, if you watch the Food Network, she is one of my favorite people, by the way, Sugar Chef. So you picked a person yeah. I consider a winner. Um, just a great yeah, interview. Awesome. I've interviewed her twice on my show, Money Make on my platform, okay. Money Making Conversation Masterclass. She's a former model who just... Um, has what? a natural skill, just like you, and has turned that natural yeah. skill into a money-making career based on what she loves. Mm-hmm. Something you've done, yep. turning your passion into purpose. Talk about that.
3: Absolutely. Um, turning pu- turning my passion into purpose. It's like I had to really sit down, sit down, and talk to myself and ask myself, you know, what am I passionate about? What, you know, what can I do to make money to support myself? Pinpoint what makes me happy. And what am I naturally good at? (laughs) Right. And everything pointed back to baking. So I'm just like, okay, I really need to do this. And from me being my mom's sous chef to me going to culinary school to me working and grinding all these years, working two, three different jobs, that's when I I learned what my passion was. I awakened my passion with uh, different challenges uh, on TV. And, uh, you know, it's really about focusing, focusing your life and focusing on what you really want to do with it, and you know, bacon was mine. Right. You know,
2: here's the interesting thing, Sugar Shelf. You know, when we, we hear the word passion a lot on this show, hear the word gift a lot on this show, and then we hear, I that I always tell people, lead with your gifts, because I never talk about money. The name of my Absolutely. show is Money Making Conversation, because when you're talking about being on the uh, We TV's Platinum Wedding, that wasn't about money. When you was competing for, you know. 2013 Capital Food Fights, High Stakes Cake Battle, that wasn't about money, it was about opportunity. When you was brought in was on the Cooking Channel, exactly. Cake Hunters in 2018, again, that wasn't about money, that was about the opportunity, building your brand. Yes. And, and so many people, yep. I always people always approach me, how much did they pay you? How much did they pay you? That has never mm-hmm. been at the <laughs> forefront of my conversation based on opportunity. I hear you responded back me. You have a similar tone and a similar approach. Why is it important that people don't leave with the money, but leave with the opportunity?
3: Well, I think with hard work and perseverance, the money will come. You know, I think once people see that, you know, you're about your business and once people see that you're operating on the same level, the money will come. Because people, people will see that, um, you know, people will see that, you're you're about your business. People see your passion. People will, will pay for your gift, and I think your gift will support you. People will pay for what you're great at. <laughs> so um, you know, it, it was a natural transition for me because I'm a natural hustler. Just being a black man coming from DC, we all had the hustle in this area. <laughs> right, right. And growing up, being the youngest of seven, and being a up in that single parent household, my mother always worked, and she was a nurse. And she took from nursing to doing this to doing that. And she always had a side hustle. So, um, you know, it's always for me, it's always about opportunities, because the more opportunities that I'm blessed with and presented with, I try to take advantage of that. And the money will definitely come it would always
2: follow. Yeah, before I went to break, I talked about uh, consulting services that you offer. allows Sugar Chef to bring a cost-effective and fresh perspective to your business. I've, I've sat down with mm-hmm. people because people always wanted me to mentor them or they want to sit down and and, and, and and consult them and try to, you know, because everybody has different talents, so it's always, that's a massive request, you know, can you guide me? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can have a singer, you can have somebody who dance, somebody who can act, somebody may be just a, a brilliant motivator. And so, it always is, it consumes a lot of information, uh, a lot of my attention when people ask that because I know that the grand scheme of things. Now, as a consultant for restaurants, staffs, and recipe execution, how does that work and how does one approach you and how does one get in touch with you about that situation?
3: Well, you can, you can get in contact with me several different ways. My, the first way is uh, sugarchef.com, dot fcom um, and email Padra at SugarChef.com. But uh, the reason why I got into it, because, again, it was about a natural transition, something that was naturally good at. Growing up in this business, um, you're always training your staff. You're always formulating recipes. Right. You're always doing the back end of it. Um, and so it's a natural transition for me for for entrepreneurs that are opening up. Like, currently, one of my clients is uh, the top uh, southern soul food place in the DMV area. And I'm working with them on um, training their staff. I'm working with them on creating and upgrading their dessert menu, formulating recipes. I have some special events that I'll be working with them on. So um, it's more cost-effective for a small business to hire someone like me. They come in, they pay me a fee. I, I either will train, like, maybe, like, a, a, I won't say less skilled person, but I will train that staff on hand or that person that, they, that will be making the desserts I will go in there and train their staff. I will uh, formulate the, the dessert menu for them. So it's more cost-effective for them to do everything in house versus purchasing all your ingredients or purchasing products from other vendors. So um, it's always best to, to hire experts for them to go in there and, and make your... You know your experience, a, a, and this is where one, now, do you
2: do you create a, um, a, a a booklet for them to follow? Because like we joked around earlier, is that you can't change the game in a wrestle in, when you're baking. You know because it just changes something. Like if it's supposed to use half and half, it should be half and half. If you're supposed to use, uh, you know, this type of milk or this type of sugar or this type of uh, est- extract, this is what it should be or it doesn't change. What is the number one problem you get or you run into when you're training people based on your recipes that you're presenting?
3: First of all, you have to have a baker's standpoint. If you're a savory person and you're trying to get into baking, you have to think, you have to change your thought, right. thought pattern. You have to think with the baker's mind. You know, you can't deviate from an original recipe until you get to know that person or that you get to know that recipe. Mm-hmm. My recipe, say, for instance, if you're hiring me to do consultant for your restaurant, I want to train your staff and I want to build um, your recipe uh, file. Is I'm going to build your recipe file from scratch. Mm-hmm. So if you want, say, you want, hey, Sugar Chef, I want an apple pie. I want to show your staff how to make uh, create a beautiful flaky pie crust to make the filling, to assemble the pie, to bake the pie, what temperature it's supposed to be at you know, how to brush your egg wash so on and so forth. And we're going to do everything from beginning to end. And I want to train your staff that this is the recipe. It is what it is and you need to follow it to the T. Now they come in and they say, okay, well, we didn't have this. What can I use instead of that? I want to tell them, okay, if you substitute a recipe, a substitute an ingredient, you will get different results. So, um, I think the best is that you stick with the recipe until you really get to know it. And then if you have to deviate from the original recipe, just realize and also know that you will get different results in the end. So don't change anything until you get the okay from me or until you really get to know that recipe.
2: It's really important to say that because, like
3: yeah,
2: I said, because, like I said, you know there are certain things you can change up, you know, but you you really have to stick to the plan. Yeah. If you stick to, the, if you try to deviate yeah. the plan without understanding what you're making or baking, then guess yeah. what? You have a walking, talking disaster.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit livenation.com concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
2: The wait is over. The Shy returns May 10th on Paramount+. Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit paramountplus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.
4: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic.
3: well, right, right. It's going to bring you different, different results. It's like anything else. If, you, if a scientist gives you a formula to follow, you need to follow that formula until you get to know it and, and until you understand what every little ingredient, what it does to the, to the recipe itself. You have to understand what the ingredients do, and if you change it, it's going to get you different results.
2: As we, as we, Sugar Chef, as we close out this uh, interview, uh, one of the questions that you submitted was transitioning your love affair into a moneymaker. And I wanted you to just mm-hmm. talk to my audience about that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing every day in when you wake up. It's like this is what you love to do, and now you've been able to create a, a way of living off of your love affair. It was not easy to do, but it was how many people kind of like told you it wouldn't happen or felt that this was something that you, you know, this is not a career for you. How many naysayers did you have to brush off your shoulder or brush off your back to be where you are
3: today? <laughs> well, you know what? I try not to follow, those, follow or think about those naysayers because those naysayers kind of fuel my passion to, to go harder and to push myself further. Um, The most important thing, I call a shake your (laughs) moneymaker. And the reason I call it that is like I really want you to think about, you know, use what you've got to get what you want. If you're really great at uh, technology, then think about a way that maybe you can build websites. If you're really great at designing, think about how you could transition that into maybe helping someone design their first apartment or doing it in a cost-effective way you take a person to shopping and say, "Okay, I'm going to take you thrifting, and we have a hundred dollar budget. This is what you can do." So I think you can do the same thing with your natural born talent, with your money maker. Your money maker should be something that um, that you're naturally great at, that you're passionate about, that, and most importantly, what comes easy for you. And what comes easy for me, of course, is baking. So I'm going to do some consulting. I'm going to do some recipe development. I'm going to do some training. I'm going to teach classes. So I think whatever your moneymaker is, I think it has a lot of different arms and a lot of different directions that it could blossom into and go into that would generate money for you and wealth for your family.
2: It's really interesting about your life because you give back. A lot of people who are busy tend to not give back physically. They might make donations or they might do audio or video or promos. But you are trained unemployed adults for culinary skills. Serving healthy school meals while rebuilding urban food systems through social enterprise. Why is that important to you?
3: Well, giving back is always important. As my mother would always, as my aunt Hannah said, she said you never look down on someone if you're not re- ready to pick them up. You know, and I think that it was so many people that reached out to me. I mean, I was a little a little brown kid coming from um, a housing development in Northeast DC, and I had so many people that didn't look like me to invest in. me. And it's just been always one of my mantras and one of my purposes in life is to pour into other people and pour into people who may not have otherwise had the opportunity or have someone to to do do that for them. So it's always been, um, you know, one of my purposes is, is to pour into folks. And I, I really enjoy it. I mean, it's nothing like training someone or teaching someone how to make their favorite dessert or challenging them if they want to go into the culinary field teaching them how to make, you know, how to make a dessert, maybe from one of their favorite restaurants, something on the menu. So um, it's, 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 you know, it's just heartwarming for me to give back. So that's why I give back.
2: Awesome. I want to thank you for coming to Sugar Chef. I want to thank you for taking the time. And first of all, I want to thank you for calling me a chef. That is... I appreciate
3: uh, it, Shepherd <laughs> I
2: appreciate it. Anytime you want to promote something that's coming up on your show, in, the, in your career opportunities, please, please don't hesitate to contact me because I am a fan. And uh, I really appreciate this interview because you shared with us the other side. The other side of the table, as i like to call.
3: Wait, Shepard I'm looking forward to your next guest because I think he has the might effect.
2: Yeah. So I gotta listen in on that. But <laughs> well, don't go nowhere because that's my All right, he's Hollywood. He represents Thank Hollywood's black excellence. Time. I appreciate you. Thank you. And come back soon, okay? Thank you so much. This is Sugar Chef, If you want to see his work, if you wanna understand why he has allowed himself to take his gifts and turn it into a money making opportunity. We'll be right back with attorney Ricky Anderson. He moved from HBCU to another H, Hollywood. And he's winning in both areas. He is a man who develops and works with a lot of black excellence in Hollywood. Be right back with attorney Ricky Anderson.
1: You are now tuned into the Money-Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashaun McDonald.
2: Hi, I'm Rashaun McDonald from Money-Making Conversation Masterclass with your daily Minute of Inspiration. This week, I sat down with counseling psychologist and sports mental health expert, Dr. T.M. Mosley. She talks about the importance of changing the conversation around mental health and getting rid of surrounding stigmas.
0: Many of the aspects of mental health uh, have been heavily stigmatized. Mm -hmm. And for us, we want to change the game and change this conversation. We don't get to peak performance if we don't take care of ourselves. If we're going to do things to make sure our bodies are well, we have to do the same things for our minds. So there's a common misconception that when I say mental health, it's conflated with mental illness or mental disorder. And that is not the case. Um, Everybody has mental health like they have physical health. And we've got to do things to make sure that we check in.
2: If you want to listen to this full interview with Dr. T.M. Mosley, it's available on moneymakingconversation.com. I want to thank the incredible Sugar Chef for coming on the show, just just sharing us, his side of the, the table. Where he uh, was, First of all, he called me a chef, so I'll never uh, forget that moment, being called officially by an executive pastry chef, an uh, actual chef. So that's a compliment that's going to go a long way in my life. But my next chef, I had to really, really dig deep to get him on the show. He doesn't do many interviews, probably because he's really, really busy. His attorney, Ricky Anderson, he's a proud graduate of his of HBCU. Well, he started his professional career doing a regular nine-to-five, just like I was doing at IBM. He was at another company that he'll share with us when he, when this interview starts because everybody told him he was being successful. Great. Keep going down that track. But that was not what he wanted to do in long term. When he left to be successful, he stayed in Houston, Texas. He didn't have to go to Hollywood. He didn't have to go to New York City to be successful. While becoming one of the top entertainers, entertainment attorneys in Hollywood, large roster of clients including anybody from Steve Harvey to Cassie Davis to Isaiah Washington, Monique, Ricky Smiley, Yolanda Adams, and many, many more. And he has taken time to become an adjunct professor at the Thurgood Marshall School of Law since 1998 at Texas Southern University. His lecture topics include entertainment law, Music industry contracts and trial preparation. In 2014, he was inducted into the Black Entertainment and Sports Law Association Entertainment Attorneys Hall of Fame. Please welcome the Money Making Conversation Masterclass Attorney Ricky Anderson.
5: Mr. John McDonald, how are you?
2: Pretty good. You know, uh, at the very top, Rick of uh, my show, they always put disclaimers. They say, you know, he might represent this person. Uh, he might. Uh, he might know this person. I'm gonna let everybody know. I do know Ricky Anderson. We, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I say that very proudly because um, I learned a lot. And, and a part of this business that's so so successful, being successful, is the ups and downs of it, Ricky. And it's important to have that support group. Tell everybody how important that support group support group has enabled you to sustain yourself in this business for so long.
5: No, thank you, Rashawn. And that, that's a good question, and that's a very important element. And it's really success comes with teams. They just, it really does. I mean, many times you'll kind of, um, you know, I, I guess, polarize one of the parties and that's what, you know, our business model is, you know, you've got the celebrities, you've got the athletes and they're more po- polarized than the group that's around them. But when you look at that long-term success, it's because they've got a great team around them, be it agency, be it management, be it friends and particularly lawyers, because, you know, we've got to dot the I's and cross the T's from a legal perspective. And that's really what our industry is based upon. It's an agreement. And the best agreement is a written agreement. And so it's very important that you have someone that understands it, knows the importance of it. And many times, maybe your audience will think, well, this is in the contract. Well, it's just as important. What's not in the contract? And we've just always got to be mindful of that. And and that's one of the reasons I proudly Say I'm a double HBCU grad um, from Prairie View A&M University. And then my uh, law school, a uh, Juris Doctorate, I earned at Thurgood Marshall School of Law, where I've been lecturing for the last quarter of a century.
2: Now, when you talk about what you've done as a professional and you talk about what you're doing in academia, training people, what brings you the biggest level of happiness
5: um, I, I really, I find joy in both, and, and it's interesting that you ask because when I'm doing speaking engagements, and I mean, it doesn't matter if I'm speaking to elementary school students that are going to junior high, or I'm speaking at a commencement service at an HBCU, I'll always let them know that my life is bifurcated. You know, I'm an entertainment attorney by trade, but I'm an adjunct professor as well, so I have two lives and I'm obligated to both. And um, and that's one of the reasons why I can say I've been lecturing there for a quarter of a century. So, you know, I've got a huge commitment in, in that space as well. So uh, both are just uh, as important to me because both make me better at my job. Right. Lecturing and getting the energy from those young audience, those students in the auditorium every Monday, keeps me sharp because they challenge me. But our industry is ever-changing, Rashawn McDonald, and we've got to be aware of the nuances with this technology and the way the content is delivered and protecting rights that's really out in the social media space and out in the digital space and streaming and so forth. So that's the up-to-date, if you will.
2: Ricky, you said the word technology. I, I received some software from a friend yesterday. It's an AI software that can write scripts. They can write comedy routines. In fact, she, uh, she, she, she gave me the software, how to log in because it's free right now. And so she said, she put my name in it, This Rashawn McDonald, comedy style. And it wrote a comedy routine for me, like I had written it. And guess what? I would have done every joke that that computer wrote. It was just that good. That's the AI. So there are people out there, they won't need writers. They could just go up to a computer and give, I want to write a story about uh, uh, slashers. I want it to be a... Uh, either a black cast or a diverse cast. I want this type of lead style tone as far as the, uh, the dialogue that's, that's what do you say about that type of technology that is kind of coming in and maybe even becoming a dominant force in the writing industry?
5: Well, I think it's it's really, it's that technological savvy is so valuable as we lean forward in technology and development. Right. and, Everything that we do, uh, Rashawn, will definitely improve. I mean, you've got automobiles that are, you know, driving themselves, they're self-operated, and it's just so much further ahead than you and I could have ever imagined when we started our careers. But what I do is I talk with my students on Monday evenings about the future and getting them ready for it. Like you said, the artificial intelligence, that AI is very important. Looking at a lot of you know, the NILs and these different assets that now trickle down to college students because that's a whole other revenue stream for them as far as taking care of their families and building their, you know, their families and their futures, quite frankly. And then looking at the technology and the avatars and everything else that happens from the Hollywood standpoint, it's just significantly powerful. Significantly powerful.
2: Right. And that's why I remember several years ago, I remember when they did a movie with you know, characters who were just. They were built. They were built characters. They were animated characters. And the movie went nowhere. I mean, it didn't even get out the box office. It, it, it opened as a nickel, as they say uh, comically. But now, because of, of of video games being so lifelike, and then you see a movie like, let's say Avatar. Avatar, is, uh, is uh, they say up front, that's uh, it is, it's, it's animation. And so we now... Have a game where you represent real actors, you represent real act or real writers or stand up comedians and and people who sing and are you preparing them for the next step or that's not your job responsibility?
5: Well, we're negotiating the deals in that space, and I think their management and their agency is probably introducing them to it. Because the one thing about esports and gaming, you know, it's probably probably been ten years for Sean since the um I wanna say he was a ten twelve year old to thirteen year old, won three and a half million dollars in an esports sports competition and you know when we grew up your parents or certainly behind us, the parents would say, Hey, get off of that, you know, that game and the video game and well when you're thirteen and your college is paid for because you won a competition and it was three and a half million dollars, your your parents would probably say, You need to practice a little bit this evening. So, you know, it's real, it's going into the college systems where it's a real sport and um so when you say this technology is really moving us forward, that's exactly where it's going. You know, you've got these celebrities that actually their name, likeness, and image as a R&B, you know, music right. um, artist or a television artist. Well, they could actually have an animated um, image that's just as valuable, depending on how it's played in esports or if it's going to be an NFT. And you generate revenue that way. So all of this artificial intelligence and this technology, you know, sort of colliding together is a totally different revenue stream.
2: So there are opportunities for a person who's, a, who's an actor an actress or a singer or some, bird, some person in entertainment can be making money fit with their physical image someplace else.
5: That's exactly right.
2: And, that's happening. and it's no
5: different than when what we used to do. I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's no different than when you're looking at voiceovers. You know, you may have an animated series or, um, you know, the voice of, you know, an A-list celebrity. Well, their voice is just as valuable in that animated series as if they were on television.
2: And so now, with that being said, how does the education process keep up with that? And I'm just asking you because I know you you know, here's the deal, Rick. You know, you go to school, you get your law degree. And guess what? Now the whole world has become, you know, social media dropped on you, uh, the Internet dropped on you. Now we have, a, you know, you have crypto dropped on you, uh, blockchains dropped on you, uh, NFTs have dropped on you. How do you keep up with that,
3: Ricky?
5: <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the question that I really answered before you asked it when I said I lecture these students every Monday. Mm. And so I've got that young energy in the room for three hours every Monday from 5 to 8 at Thurgood Marshall School of Law. Wow. This technology, yeah, this Bridging its gap, I'm not off the grid. I'm there with these young minds that are matriculating every Monday and they want to challenge me and tell me about what they know and I've got to read to keep up with it, just to stay relevant. And the technology largely, I won't say one hundred percent, for the most part, everything you name from the blockchain technology through the esports, all of those are great assets. And when you look at our youth, you know, they're more technologically savvy than probably, you know, The generation ahead of us, for sure, just on the technology side, but it actually improved reading because they needed to understand how to read from a literacy perspective to play these games, to play the sports. So there were some educational, um, intellectual advances to this technology and the laptops and the tablets. And I don't know that there's many, you know, kindergartners, first graders and second graders that don't have a tablet.
2: Well, you know it's funny. You know, we, we we were growing up, Rick. You know, we you know if we could just put the right record on the uh, player. You know, we yeah. our parents were like Woo, our baby, our baby smart, our baby smart. And then, uh, then as our children, you know, uh, if they could pick up the remote, and turn the TV on correctly. You know, now they got they got they got cell phones, they got iPads. The technology is advancing the relationship between the child and their future so much faster. Is that good or bad? What are your thoughts?
5: Well, I know it's good if you're looking at, you know, sort of honing your talents, because, you know, everybody's got a skill set. It's good in that regard. But balance is the critical element that's going to be very important for, you know, just having that normalcy. You've got to make sure that they're intellectually astute. I mean, you've just got to make sure it's all intellectually stimulating um, to the youth, because if not, we'll lose track of what's important. They will lose track of what should be important to them, and we can't (coughs) allow them to stray from the center of the road. But when you look at some of these recording artists and they're 12, 13, 14 years old and they're getting 20, 30 million streams downloads as far as Spotify is concerned, that's pretty popular for a kid that may be in the 7th, 8th or ninth grade. Right. And, um, but they're reading the music, they're playing the instrument, and then their academia is on par because they've been glued to a screen. And the question really becomes, you've got to make sure they've got that social balance as well.
2: Right, Very important. I'm talking to Attorney Ricky Anderson. He is the author of the following nonfiction entertainment law books containing legal information about the entertainment industry. One, entertainment law, cases, documents, and material. The other book is called Music Industry Contracts, Cases and Forms. I'm talking to Attorney Ricky Anderson. It's amazing uh, looking at the roster of people who he represented. This is only a small, from Steve Harvey, Cassie Davis, Isaiah Washington, Monique, uh, comedian Ricky Smiley, the incredible gospel great Yolanda Adams. These are just a few names on his roster. But in the end, Ricky, when you look at what you're doing with your career, it's really not about who you represent, it's how you represent them, correct?
5: That is correct. You know, the one thing that I've always looked at Rashan was building success, and um, and that's the thing about it. And success comes at a price, and um, and we never looked at it as far as it being money um, or value and asset that we were trying to um, you know just 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 make money and, and and win in that space. Now we wanted perfection, and and that'll give you the success. You know, everyone that I work with, and like you said, the names you give, they're hard workers. They're very committed to it. And we all know what our obligations are. And uh, and that's the thing that I've always looked at and I've got to look at it with a critical eye from a legal perspective and make sure that I, again, dot those eyes, cross those T's, and um, and check it twice and check it three times and make sure we're in a safe environment.
2: Now, you know, you write two books. You're an author. You're officially an author. You know, people like that buy <laughs> your book. These are not salacious book now. This Don't look over there for no, you know, Hollywood stories. This is about business, about going into entertainment law. What prompted you to write not only the first book, but the second book, let's start with the first book, Entertainment Law. What, what is the significance of that book?
5: Well, I've been lecturing entertainment law for 25 years and I use third party um, you know, literary property. I used other books and I said, well, look, I'm teaching and I've been researching and I said I should, at least from my vantage point, make these books attractive to my students. And um, and I looked solely initially at Thurgood Marshall School of Law because I selected the cases that are in those books. You know, it's real litigation from, you know, the major record labels, the major television networks. And um, but they are uh, cases that affect people of color, you know, those that would be enrolled in an HBCU that could appreciate it. So, um, you know, it's a publication, but you'll see stories from, you know, the Isley Brothers or Bell Bibb DeVoe. And, you know, so I, I pulled Snoop Dogg. You know, those are the kinds of cases that we would see or Luke Campbell that went to the Supreme Court when we're talking about, you know, copyright and having the right to use third party property. So I got the real cases and condensed them into written form. And I, I actually teach from that book so that you can review cases that looked like you. I, I go historically with some of the non-traditional names in the company then, and getting into copyright and, and knowing how it came about. You know, when copyright came into the United States of America in 1790, you know, it's only had a few amendments in 1831, 1909 and 1976 being the largest one where it incorporated, you know, recording um, materials, meaning phonal uh, records. So it's just knowing that, and I need our community to know the value of their copyrights, their intellectual property, their trademarks, making sure their brand is protected. And so that really is what prompted me to write the book, the first okay. book.
2: Now that's your first book, now because you mentioned copywriting. Let's let's talk that. Let's talk that back a minute, because you know, uh, social media, you can post stuff, and then but if you try to put it on your website or you try to put it on YouTube, YouTube will flag you saying that's copyright infringement if you put it on your website, somebody see it, they can sue you, but you can put it on social media, if I'm not mistaken, it's a different set of rules. Is that correct?
5: Well, it's a different set of rules, and I'll say this to some degree, because when social media and really the internet got highly popular, the Constitution afforded us the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. And that that provided social media companies with what they call a safe harbor which means if you upload the content, they're not sure if you're authorized to do it or not. But if they're submitted a takedown notice, let's say someone submits a takedown notice on your behalf, they will immediately take the, uh, the content down, um, you know, because the actual trademark holder or copyright holder is the only authorized user of it. So even though it's social media, it doesn't just give you a free-for-all. It's just the content gets there so quick. I was I was talking, um, I spoke out at the uh, Google um, Silicon Beach at the Google office there as one of their guest speakers, and they were sharing with us that they get 600 hours of content every hour <laughs> uploaded. You can't keep up with it. So it may come in quicker, but they'll find a way to weed it out. And as I said, when there's a notice submitted, there's many of us as lawyers, we're actually um, you know, officers, agents that are able to get takedowns recognized because they know that's the practice area that we uh, we work in. So, yeah, Richard, it's it's different, but to some degree, it, even though it's on social media, you can still have it taken down. Now, it's not a free for all.
2: Now, now, here, here, this is what confuses me, Rick, because you know, you, you know, I, I put a song up on, you know, on uh, YouTube. They copyright infringement flagging me, flagging me. I, you know, then I go to TikTok and look like they just play every popular song on every video and. Nobody's nobody's bothered over there. Am I misreading something, or Rashawn? They got rules over there too.
5: No, you're not misreading something. Something else happened outside of just the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. You've also got blanket licenses that some of the social media platforms, particularly the larger ones, will subscribe to, so that they may have a right. And I can't speak to them, and that's why I'm giving approaching it very cautiously, legally, because. If someone owns the song, and this is certainly what I teach, it's their intellectual property. If you copyright it, it's yours. Right. Now, will the general public take it and blend it into a song? Yes. Does that give them the right to use it? It does not. And um, one of my students asked me, Rishun, um, she said, well, Professor Anderson, if you just put that this song belongs to XYZ, I'll say that means nothing. They still own it. They have a right to take it down. That does not give you a free-for-all to kind of take advantage of the music. So the rights holders are the rights holders. Regardless, but you do have so many, you know, social media um, users that'll take the music and they'll put it in the background of their dance, you know, and as I said, when they're uploading 600 hours per hour, that's pretty, that's pretty robust. And it's pretty great. You know, that's a, a tough one to grasp and get processed. So doesn't make it right. Do they do it? Absolutely. And, uh, and can it be taken down? The answer is absolutely. The rights holders own their intellectual property. It does not mean because you're in social media that you have uh, a right to use it.
2: Cool. It's so many people that are building mass following on TikTok. Uh, you know, I have, a, I think, almost 60,000 followers on TikTok. And then I read, you know, where the Attorney General said, hey, I wouldn't advise you to be on TikTok. I read where there are various government offices are saying you can't use TikTok on any of the office equipment or uh, uh, office-related mobile units that you're being given. What are we missing? Am I missing something?
5: Well, because it's a national security concern, and when you've got your personal information that's being utilized in places that you're not even sure of, you know, you're thinking it's only TikTok, But it does not limit who has access to that, depending on who the partners are with that corporation or any other social media. I won't single out TikTok. But your information, as you post it, you know, becomes public. And I mean, and once it's in that social media space, it's there forever. And um, so you just want to be mindful of that. And I think now we're a lot more cautious about national security just because of the state of affairs uh, worldwide. I mean, you know, we're back where we've got everything from wars to um, you know, spy balloons circulating around the country. So I won't get into the politics of it. I right. represent to you that there is a concern from a national security perspective, because that vitally, vital data is being placed in TikTok and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and every place else. And, um, and that information is crucial. And also, you're just not sure. Who's utilizing that information and for what purposes?
2: Well, you know, the thing about it, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, taking me to class today, uh, Attorney Anderson. I feel that uh, I've gained some degree of knowledge and growth in this interview here. But the most important thing is that when you're recognized by your peers, inducting into the Black Entertainment and Sports Law Associate Entertainment Attorneys Hall of Fame, what did that do to you?
5: Well, I know it was amazing um, just to see that your colleagues, um, number one, respect your body of work and they know what you do. And you don't work to get any sort of an accolade. You work because you want to be good. And that's the one thing I, I learned early on in, um, in coming to Texas and going to an HBCU and wanting to go to an HBCU. is. And my father always told me, you can work hard, but if you're not good, you're just a hard worker. But if you work hard and you're good... Then you can make that good, great, and that's what I've always tried to do. And uh, the, the colleagues um, in the um, industry have recognized that I will go that extra mile. I'll get up early, I'll stay late, and um, and I'm also a friendly competitor. You know, I'm here to make sure that we all win. And um, and it just, like I said, it, it's one of those moments where you'll say, okay. You know, that means uh, so much to you um, that it becomes priceless, but it lets you know that you're doing it right and your colleagues recognize that. And when you look at the uh, the, the Beasley Hall of Fame, and for most of the lawyers in this country that practice entertainment law, um, in the Hall of Fame, I'm the only one from Texas. Right. And uh, wow. you opened Congrats. it up talking about me practicing entertainment law, you know, from the state of Texas, and um, it's a rarity. And um, and Rashan, you know, when you encounter that challenge, you know, you'll hear many, many stories saying that you got to move to L.A. or New York, Atlanta, Chicago. And I said, why move when I can fly? I'll go out <laughs> and get the job done, and I'll come back home. So it's always been so rewarding to be able to maintain my, you know, my residence and my office, my law practice here in the uh, in the city of Houston but to be able to practice on each of the coasts, be them north, south, east, and west.
2: Cool. And we we'll wrap it up real quick, Rick. Could you tell us how we can get in touch with you?
5: Yeah, yeah. Please feel free to look at attorneyrickyanderson.com. It's got all of my contact information there. And um, I welcome, you know, anyone that uh, may have a question. You know, I am a professor. I like ask answering questions. So attorneyrickyanderson.com, shoot me an email. And then um, certainly put money-making conversations in the subject box so I'll know uh, what it's regarding. Happy to assist, Rashawn. It's been a pleasure, man.
0: As host of Money-Making Conversations Masterclass, Rashawn McDonald is uniquely positioned to provide a step-by-step, easy-to-understand blueprint because it's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. The show Money-Making Conversations Masterclass interviews CEOs, small business owners, influencers, and celebrities. They share financial and career success tips that you can only hear in the Money-Making Conversations Masterclass show. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and
1: plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives.